Nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. This one is an etymological one. This one we decided to look at the unexpected origins of certain words. They're sort of like little stories with each word and where they came from. Yeah, let's do it. I love stories. Okay, word number one. The first unexpected origin word is desultory. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that out loud because I'm not sure that I was ever totally sure how to say that word. Okay, I cheated <laughs> and looked it up right before because we wrote about it and, and, our, and you're saying it wrong, which was about pronunciation, right? And that's one that I always say desultory, actually, which is wrong. <laughs> I, it's desultory. And I, I mean, we wrote it, and here I was, like, panicking about it. But it, um, it is desultory. Desultory, excuse me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> See, it's a confusing one. But we put it in here because of its etymology. We're including it not because it's difficult to pronounce, as I've just proven. The word actually comes from the circus, which you would never expect. I, I would have assumed it came from something like insulting, but mm-hmm. it comes from the circus, from the Latin. Ross, can you pronounce the word? Oh, desultorius, which means leaping. And the, there, there was a, a guy who was called a desultor who would be a leaper. And um, he would leap down or leap across horses. The Roman circus, of course, was that great race like in Ben-Hur, where the chariots are racing. And desultors would be entertainers who would actually jump between galloping horses sometimes uh, sitting on one and then jumping onto the other, vaulting over. Crowd would be roaring and cheering and all of that. And then from that, that sort of idea, it got the, the, the meaning of, um, that we know it today. Lacking a plan, occurring randomly. It's, it's something, so, that, so jumping from horse to horse became sort of like a jumping from idea to idea. Yeah. Kind of. So it's like you don't have a plan, you're just hopping around. You're just leaping. That's so much fun. Isn't That's that exciting. Cool? And speaking of, uh, of, of, I was going to say desultory, desultory, here's another really weird, <laughs> weird etymology. The, and no one's quite sure about it. It's capricious. And I mean, actually, just Fletcher, just take a wild guess where capricious comes from. You can't. If you get this, Fletcher, you, you're godlike in our eyes. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> not, not that you that. aren't already. <laughs> Mike, can I can I be one of those capricious gods? Um, I, no, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know the answer at all, at all. No. Actually, no one's quite sure. Ross is going to explain. No one's really sure, but it's sort of like a, there's a battle between two kind of etymologies or two backgrounds to this word. One set are called goat. I would say are goat loving. Uh, capricious people and others are hedgehog hedgehog advocates there's some people say the word came from uh, copper c-a-p-e-r which is goat in latin others say it uh and it sort of links to head as in caput is in head so it's goat head and they were saying that goats kind of like walk around and run around others say it comes from what kathy uh, the copper part, they say, is right, but they say you've got to look at the riccio part, capriccio. They say that the hedgehog people say that the copper part, the head part, is right, but the riccio part means hedgehog in Italian. So the capriccio, whim, came from 
hedgehogs, so that's where we got capricious. But this doesn't really make sense because hedgehogs aren't capricious like a goat is. They don't leap around, right? No, not at all. No, they're. I don't. I. I mean, I. I don't ever see them do much besides curl up and look really super cute. Well, it's because they say that the capriccio in Italian didn't mean capricious. Mm, this is, sure. This is where it gets confusing. It meant shiver or shudder, and your hair stands on end like hedgehog <laughs> spines. <laughs> but Shakespeare was a goat man. And we found in uh, has he has a pro goat origin of capricious in his play as you like it, which we found. He said the most capricious, honest poet Ovid was among uh, was among the goats g o t h e s, which are goats. So we can take our choice. I'm actually I'm on the uh, hedgehog side myself. But... <laughs> well, I think the hedgehog side sounds better, but I think goat makes more sense. So I'm sorry. I'm admit, I'm sticking with Will, <laughs> my boy, <laughs> who I'm not really crazy about. But I'm just sitting here imagining two sides going into battle with their banners flying and hedgehogs on one side and goats on the other. <laughs> and it's just a magnificent scene. Well, actually, the word origins can get really, I mean, people can get really head up about word origins. If you ever take a look at some of these uh, linguistic uh, uh, discussions, people get really angry. There was one person I remember reading once who had signed, had said a word was Bosque in origin. And then someone, I mean, it was an attack saying, what are you, an idiot? It's obviously Italian. Back and forth, back and forth. Kath and I try to keep out of these. Okay, next word is clue. Let's get a clue here. What do you think? Clue is a really weird origin word. What, any ideas where it would have come from? Wait, we're talking about the word clue, as in, like, the if I'm trying to solve a mystery? Yes. No. I'm glad this wasn't a quiz this week. i got to be honest. We talked about doing it as a quiz. Oh, God. Thank <laughs> God. Okay. <laughs> this one I had no idea of. And I don't think, Kath, you didn't either, did you? You had no clue. I had no clue, yes. <laughs> no, I had no idea. Clue comes from the old spelling, which you, I think you see it sometimes in England, C-L-E-W. And it's a ball of thread or yarn comes from the native uh, old Germanic Middle English C-L-E-W-E backwards, backwards on into time. And it actually, though, is really interesting because it's a Middle English word that refers to an ancient Greek myth when um, Ariadne gives to Theseus uh, a ball of thread to like find his way out of the labyrinth in, um, in Crete with King Minos. Yeah. And from there, it, it somehow traveled into ball of thread sphere of ball and then from there into something like it can help you find your way it can help you give a give a sense of where to go a clue from there on i think that was a really weird one that's one that you would never guess i mean it's 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 so complicated it's so it's so torture tortuous if you will but one thing can i just throw one thing out what uh we were playing the game Clue the other day. I really like. Have you ever played the board game Clue? Oh yeah. I, I didn't. This is like a weird thing we got from this doing some research. Clue was launched in 1949 in Britain, and the name in England was Cluedo. You didn't yeah. know that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me, tell me why. I've always wondered about that. I know, Kathy knows. I didn't know. I have no idea why. I just, I just knew oh. it was called Cluedo because <laughs> I used to, I used to read a lot of British books, like the Noel Streetfeld uh, shoes books. Now I'm going to look quickly looking it up. I am too. A play on Clue and Ludo. Ludo was the British term for the game Parcheesi. Parcheesi was called Ludo in, in, in Great Britain. So Cluedo is, is like a mystery game, a game, i.e. Parcheesi, Ludo. See it? 
Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't know that at all. I'm always Colonel Mustard, Fletcher. What are you? Oh, well, it's so it's been a very long time now <laughs> since I've played Clue. Um, I think I often was, yeah, Colonel Mustard. I'm trying to think. I think probably Mr. Green. I really liked Mr. Green. I always like Miss Scarlet. Yeah, Miss Scarlet's good. <laughs> yeah. So, and if you were a girl, that was your choice usually. Of course. She was cute and had a red dress. So Sorry. Have, <laughs> Reminiscing. <laughs> just to take us off track just slightly, have you have the two of you seen seen the movie uh, of the board game Clue? No. No. Okay, so I, I really actually highly recommend this movie. It's called Clue. It's from the mid-80s, and it has a whole ton of comedic well, personalities that you would know. Uh, Madeline Kahn is in it. Uh, Martin Mull is in it. Her. Michael McKean is in it. Oh, this sounds fabulous. It, sounds it's great. It's an absolutely, completely delightful screwball comedy. It's so good. Oh, oh, well, we're going to do this. Okay, great. And uh, also, since this is a, a, a language podcast about saying things wrong, maybe it's not a screwball comedy. Maybe it's a far People are running around slamming doors and stuff, so probably farce. But oh, this sounds great. It's magnificent. Yep, watch it. I think we will. Okay, let's throw a couple more out. Uh, I think you'll probably know Robot. Do you know the origin of Robot? I didn't know Robot. Yeah, I do know this because of uh, crossword puzzles, as a matter of fact. It's from a play, and the play is called, oh, it's a three-letter word, something like tur, like T-U-R or something. Excellent. R-U-R, yeah. R-U-R, Universal right, Robots. Right. Yeah, yeah, you that's were right. right. You were right. Very good. Yeah, it was a, a, a Czech, it came from the Czech word robota, meaning forced labor. And it was a science, uh, a, a science fiction play, which was about manufacturing synthetic people. But uh, the the author uh, said he didn't come up with the name Robot. It, his brother actually did, who was best known as a painter but also wrote. So he gets all the credit for the word, but it's really his brother. One more thing about that, though. Uh, you guys obviously say Robot. Have you noticed more people saying Robot? No. Yeah. That's interesting. You haven't? I remember hearing it on Lost in Space. Remember Billy Moomy would say Robot. Robot. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know. I... But I hear that all the time now. Yeah, I hear it a lot now. I'm not really sure why. No, I don't know. I have no idea. Okay, the other word, which is a sort of boring one, is jumbo. But I just kind of liked it because it's so it's so common. Um, jumbo came from P.T. Barnum. Um, he brought an elephant named Jumbo from London. And um, the name they think, the, the elephant was named Jumbo when he got it from the Royal Zoological Society in London. And they believe that it came from two Swahili words, Jambo, which was hello, and Jumbe, which was chief. And they got conflated into Jumbo. I did think I knew that about it being the elephant's name. Uh, I certainly didn't know why the elephant would have been been named Jumbo, but but I seem to remember that story, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, now into more esoterica. This one's interesting. I think you may be able to get an idea of this. The origin of the word mortgage, as in mortgage of your house, etc., yeah, uh, the M-O-R-T makes me think it has something to do with death. Very good. Death pledge. Mort means death, and the gauge is pledge. So you're taking a mortgage out of your house, you're technically making a death pledge. Ew, that's creepy. It is. It's really, I don't like the, the connotation particularly, but... <laughs> Not at all, yeah. <laughs> On to the next word, which is really interesting... This one I particularly like, but ostracize. This one I actually knew, but I, I never knew how to pronounce it. Um, it came from ancient Greece um, when citizens who were voting, the whole notion of a democratic vote, they would write their vote on a, on a broken piece of broken pottery, which was an ostracon. So and they, they would vote to see if 
someone should be banished because they were becoming too powerful and posing a threat to democracy. So everyone would gather and vote to see whether this person should be banished on the broken pottery called an ostracon. So they were ostracized because the votes that were written on the ostracon were saying, cut, push them out. People tend to think it has something to do with ostriches, but it, it comes from the broken pottery shard. Shard. Hey, speaking of pottery, I just have a quick question for you guys. Kathy said shard and then shard, or shard and then shard. Do you guys know the difference between shard and shard? What is? I was wondering, because I always say shard, but then I read shard, and I always panic. Tell me. Okay, a shard, which I can't... Interestingly, Kathy and I both lived... When we were little kids, our dad was with the embassy. We lived in Egypt, and we met archaeologists on digging sites. So shard is like... when As a, as a little kid, it's just like stuck in my head. A shard is a broken piece of pottery with edges that are sharp, and they're usually found at archaeological sites. And shard is a broken piece of sort of anything. China, glass, ceramic, edges that are sharp. Oh. That's like a really, it's not a big deal. Shard really is an abbreviation of the word of pot shard. Again, it's a pot shirt is a broken piece of pottery. Is it like sheared from a pot, in effect? Pot shirt, then? It comes from uh, the Middle Dutch fragment crack. Scherde. Okay, so never mind. And it's from a notch. in German. Broken earthware. It was late old English. It came as broken. It it also can mean scale of a dragon. But now, a pot shirt, a pot shirt can also be a shard, (laughs) Right. Yeah, you can actually, they're pretty much now, I mean, it's not really a big deal. But if you're an archaeologist, say pot shirt or shirt. I'll tell you that right now. I was corrected as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) I was too young. (laughs) Okay, should we go to Sycophant, Ross? Yeah, why don't we? Kathy, Kathy has a brilliant suggestion on Sycophant that I innocently didn't see, and then she thought of this. Let's go on with Sycophant. Fletcher, with this one, give us a fruit... That is the origin of sycophant. <laughs> uh, but before before I do that, or maybe while I'm trying to think of that, you you you're both saying sycophant. I've always said sycophant. Does it make a difference? <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> I think it's sycophant. Did Ross ever tell you how we grew up in Egypt and that's where we learned how to pronounce things? <laughs> we pronounced the word incorrectly. It's sycophant. We did that for you, Fletcher. Yes, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Well, I needed to feel like I knew something this episode. <laughs> um, let me think. A fruit that is uh, uh, related to sycophant. Um, sycophant. I'm just going to say a pomegranate. Ooh, that's, you're in the right region. You're you're in the correct area of the world, which is ancient Greece. Sycophant comes from a, a, a Greek word, sikon, which is fig. The latter part of it um, is from the Greek phanon, to show. And the word means literally to show figs. A sycophant is someone who's a shower of figs. Now, why does showing figs yeah. mean sucking up? One theory is that the sycophant referred to blackmailers out to make a sleazy buck, or in this case, a drachma, and they would accuse people of exporting figs, which was against the law at the time. And then the word, be- you know, became, uh, uh, then it became something like slandering someone, and then it became, well, slander is an odious individual, that means they're insincere, then a suck up. So this fig part is here. Now, Kathy had a, 
I've never seen this before, but Kath had an interesting take on the fig part. Kath? Well, you know, one of the most famous rude gestures to do with your hands when you, when you, uh, especially overseas, I remember Randy uh, flew a fig at someone at the Alhambra. Uh, you have your hand in a fist and you put your thumb in between your index finger and your middle finger and it's called showing the fig and it's supposed to like represent bulls, uh, you know, someone's testicles. So you're, fl you're, flipping, you're flipping the bird at someone, you show the fig. So I thought, since they were saying the fig, I thought to show figs referred to that when you were, when you were flipping someone off in ancient Greece or ancient Rome or wherever you're doing this. So the sycophant fant, <laughs> get it right. So the sycophant would come from that, not like the sucking up with figs. It would mean that the person is is uh, you know, an ass. Yeah, I think that's more likely to me. Fig smuggling just seems really kind of weird, doesn't it? You know, I mean, I don't know. Well, people are, are people are still people. I mean, people ancient people were just as like just like us. I mean, except for you know, no computers and stuff, but. They, so I'm sure that I, I don't yes yeah, smuggling figs I think it's definitely someone someone giving someone the fig personally. I want to throw one thing in here because that is one problem with etymologies. A lot of times, or word origins, people like throw things in that sound reasonable, and then you kind of think about it and you go, wait a minute, that doesn't make that much sense. But no one's back in those days is around now to tell us differently. But a lot of etymologies we have to be very careful about what their origin is because a lot of times it just is something that seems plausible but that is not true and i think kathy's etymology i think is very plausible i'm just fascinated with i'm sorry the whole i, I, was, just, I was just thinking about the whole thing with fig because fig is is one of those fruits that's had a lot because it also was used as slang for the vulva which is the complete opposite i mean biologically so it's just it's just an odd thing i'm just i'm sorry i'm just going back to that no i i definitely think that's where the uh fig came from I mean, the, the sycophant. The OED, actually, I was just looking it up, is saying now that they're thinking that the exportation of figs, it can't be substantiated. So I'm, I'm thinking that probably everybody else is going along with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. It's funny. I never knew sycamore is related to fig. Figs get all over. When when you said sycophant and you mentioned a fruit, I thought, okay, sycamore. Uh, but but then I couldn't think of a fruit that a sycamore would have either. So I remember those sycamore bulls that were all over our yard all the time. Yeah, but but sycamore though is from the Greek, which is African. Sycamoros is an African fig tree, a fig mulberry actually, a spreading a spreading shade tree with uh, fig like fruit. Oh yeah, well, they had those in Egypt. I remember those. That's interesting. Okay, next. Speaking of Egypt, we have Yeah, a I was just going to say that. Nice segue, Ross. Yeah. The word is assassin. Any idea, Fletcher? Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but I do believe that that was a sect um, or, or some, some part um, in early Islam, and uh, they were known for, I guess, assassinating people. I'm not 100% sure what what exactly was going on there uh, or if that's correct or, or if that's a legitimate explanation, but, but that's what I seem to, to remember. It seems to be, it comes from the Arabic word hashishiyin, which literally means right, right, uh, right, right. Okay. Uh, hashishiyin are people who are using hashish. And apparently there were, there were members of, uh, um, it's funny. The, the, uh, I think it's the OED says a fanatical Muslim sect during the crusades 
who smoked hashish and then murdered leaders on the opposing side. I think if you're a, a person, indigenous person of the Middle East, I'm not sure you'd call yourself fanatical fighting crusaders who are invading your country, but whatever. You are correct. That's where it came at. Then centuries of mispronunciation, it came into assassin. The next one you probably, I think you're going to know, Nimrod. You say, oh God, he's such a Nimrod. I think it's biblically based, but I can't remember who Nimrod is. Yep. Well, this is one of those ones where just time changed it. Nimrod was a, was a really great hunter. He was the great grandson of Noah, the son of, I, I get them all confused. I'm, I'm really weak on Bible stuff. Uh, the son of Cush, the great grandson of Noah. And the, he's supposed to have like overseen the construction of the Tower of Babel. And this is where it goes into Nimrod now doesn't mean a great hunter. It used to be, you read old books and they will talk about someone being a Nimrod and it's, it's not at all pejorative. Um, now it's like it's like an idiot. Yeah, what an it, Nimrod. And there's a debate as to how it became um, something negative. Um, some people say, well, it's because uh, the, ba- the, ba- the Tower of Babel was a mistake, so it was a foolish venture, so Nimrod was foolish, which sounds to me like really stretching it. Yeah. What they're thinking now is it came from Bugs Bunny. When Bugs would uh, argue with Elmer Fudd, and he referred to Fudd as Elmer as a, as a Nimrod, which he technically was, a hunter. But he did it like sort of in, oh, what a Nimrod became now what we say Nimrod idiot, which I really like. Wow. Is that, I mean, could that be it? Like, it, we, we do, so we don't have uses of, of Nimrod as a pejorative term really before that not that we um, could find not really it was in it was first used just in regular lowercase um to mean a hunter and they're saying in the in the dictionary nimrod as as an idiot or you know a jerk wasn't um included until the 80s and they're saying it became popular with teenagers then but most people seem to think now that it was because of Elmer Fudd. Oh, my goodness. Although some people are criticizing that on, uh, and I just looked at the uh, etymological dictionary. Some people are saying that it was, uh-huh. uh, they're tracing it to, as Kath said, 1983 with a teenage slang. And they're saying amateur theories. That's but they're saying amateur theories say the Bugs Bunny. Because Bugs, I used to watch Bugs Bunny, and he said Nimrod pejoratively. He might have been using it to mean Hunter, but he was going, what a Nim-. He was saying you're a Nimrod. Yeah, he was saying it kind of sarcastically, probably. Yeah, he was. If, if he was. I like that theory. I take but, exception. I mean, I'm just saying what they're saying. The other thing is they're saying it was used by hunters, which I think is, like you said, the ridiculous thing about, you know, like you're a bad hunter, you're, like, ironically, which I think is ridiculous. But Oh, like I could care less. Yeah. Oh, you're a real Nimrod, aren't you? <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. Okay, we have, I think we've done this before. I'm not sure. Walrus. Do you have any idea from that? Not at all. Tell me. This is sort of cool because J.R.R. Tolkien, of Lord of the Rings fame, actually discovered the origins of this. Or he thinks he discovered the origins of this. Walrus literally means um, horse whale. And what happened was, I think we've talked about, we have talked about metathesis. The words got kind of mixed up. It It comes from an old Norse word, Horse. I can't pronounce Old Norse, but there are no old Norwegians around <laughs> to listen to me mutilate their language. But it comes from an Old Norse word meaning horse voller or horse whale. And then somehow, as happens in languages, the uh, words got mixed backwards. So the uh, way of horse part 
became became sort of switched to harsh vowel, and then wow horse. <laughs> so we now have while the whale part first and the um, horse part second. What confuses me is I just saw something that said that there was he Tolkien came up with six versions of where it could have come from. Yeah, but that was the basically the one they. Ah, uh, yeah, here it is. He said he hand wrote many versions of the etymology of walrus, of which six survive in the OED archives. The most likely one was that. Yeah, it's because he worked for the OED for a year and he was assigned to work on words beginning with a W. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> Isn't that neat? So he's sort of like, I like that. <laughs> So this was the most likely one. I wonder if he worked on whiskey. Oh, <laughs> that's a, that, you're really good with the segues today, Ross. I tell you, okay, whiskey. I think there's a 100% chance J.R.R. Tolkien worked on whiskey. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, any thoughts on that one? No, I, I don't know. Whiskey. But I would, I would love to know. Okay, it does not come from whiskers. It comes from the Gaelic meaning water of life. And I'm gonna re- I'm gonna spell the phrase because I'm lost when it comes to Irish. U i s g e, b e a t h a. Yeah, you know what? I I totally lied. I I absolutely knew that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it comes with water of life, um, from the old Irish u i s c e water, and Bethu, which I. Uh, now, how, Ross, how is that pronounced? Because I uh, that's where I'm always lost, like Siobhan, and 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 I, I cannot pronounce it for the life of me. I, I can't. I mean, that one kills me too. So let's just leave it. Yeah. Well, other early spellings here. This this gives, is, makes it closer. Is that U I S G E B E A T H A was also spelled I S K I E B A E Isky Bay, which gets us closer to whiskey. Whiskey, yeah. Well, and and I mean the. The meaning of the word uh, describes it perfectly, of course. Mm-hmm. Water of life. Yeah. Water of life, definitely. I'm, I'm not vodka girl, but okay. <laughs> this episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Seattle, Washington. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help us. They're how we get more people to find us. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.